So you have to drink nine litres of blood a day to get enough vitamin C. That bloats you out. So the way around that is to garnish your victims first. Uh, <laughs> true, put lemons on. Before you get to drink their blood, sprinkle a bit of lemon, lemon on them. A little bit yeah. of herb. Any kind of uh, you know high citrus fruit. The letter V... He is the veggie-curious Paul Gannon. And he continues to be the verecund Damien St. John. <laughs> I think, are you doing a swear? It sounds like you slipped a swear word in there. No. Uh, and this is the Velcro Fasten podcast, The Fictionary. So prove to me that the word that you call me, verecund. Verecund. There's a D on the end. Be very careful about that. Yeah, because otherwise we're going to get a little explicit words thing on our podcast and we don't really want that. No, I'd like to keep the uh, naughty words out of this. So tell me what verecund is. It just means shy or bashful. Originated in the 16th century. Lovely word. And I consider you very verecund. My girlfriend said she was introducing me to someone the other day and she went, uh, never mind his laddie banter. (laughs) <laughs> you? Never mind his laddie banter. He's soft on the inside. He's cuddly. I thought laddie banter was some kind of northern comedian. <laughs> yeah. Please welcome to the stage, laddie banter. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, pint of mile. My mother-in-law. I'm not saying she's fat, but she's got Osram burnt into her belly button. I called you veggie curious. Yeah, go on. It has two meanings. You decide which one you want. Number one, one who is considering the vegetarian lifestyle, but has yet to make a commitment to it. Or... Someone who does more with vegetables than cook them. You're desperately trying to get this an explicit content episode, aren't you? Which one do you think you might be closer to? I think the it's first one. It's a hard choice. Yeah. Well, I no- think the first one. I have no interest in vegetables outside of <laughs> eating them. Not even a marrow. Not even, no, God no, not a marrow. If you are veggie curious, be careful not to commit veggie suicide, a term used veggie by... Veggicide. Yeah, veggie suicide or veggicide, a term used by militant raw foodists who refuse to pluck helpless vegetables before they're ready for consumption. Well, that's like um, people who are, oh, what's the phrase now? Fruitarians or something? Yeah. They only eat things that naturally fall from the tree or they wait for it to drop yeah yeah so of course a vegetarian like a would be not do that hand gesture when you're talking about (laughs) i'm here all week uh what other use for a vegetable uh well you can be a cannibal vegetarian people who eat meat but only human flesh oh well that's fine then very particular request at morrison's butchers yeah it it is it is uh five percent fat yeah have you got any steve give us some steve i don't know i came in last week had a rebecca couldn't i think it's too stringy chewy as and this is the Velcro Farson podcast. Velcro is a portmanteau of two French words, velours, meaning velvet, and crochet, meaning hook. The original hook and loop fastener was patented by Swiss electrical engineer George de Mestral in 1948. He took his dog for a walk in the woods and you get all that stuff that sticks to you, yeah. that burr on whatever, and he went, oh, I'm going to make some money out of this. But Velcro is actually a company name, Velcro Industries, who makes products under the Velcro umbrella. Wow. So when you say Velcro, yeah. you that, I haven't got any Velcro on me, actually. I've, I haven't got a pair of trainers from the 80s. No. But what you mean is a hook and loop fastener. They also do cable ties, hanging picture strips. They help secure remotes to the side of the sofa and they help hide your drugs under the floorboards. So no one would ever know. (laughs) I'm looking at you. All right. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the Fictionary. We do words and stuff. One letter at a time. This week we're on the letter V. You can join in, please, on Twitter, at Thick Podcast. See what we're up to, suggest future words. Find us on Facebook as well and give us a like. Coming up in a second, we'll do uh, a quiz of the week. But first, your word workout for Paul Gannon and Good. everyone listening at home. An anagram of a V word, eight letters. Nice. Jazz veil. 
Is that V E I L? V A L E. V A. Or you can go Jazz Vale if you really like weddings. Jazz Vale. Okay. I'll give you a clue. It's a beauty treatment. Jazz Vale. Okay. You got to the end of the podcast to work it out, scribble it down on a newspaper, see how you get on. Answer coming up at the end. Here we go. Hey, time for a random game. This is to test your vast knowledge of a V word. Mm-hmm. This is Vastermind. Oh, I love this. So here we go. I'm testing your vast knowledge, Paul Gannon, of yeah. Vanity Smurf. <laughs> right. Six questions. All based around the lesser known Smurf. Do you say lesser known? It just proves your ignorance, really, because he's been in it since series one of the cartoon. Like in the 60s when it was first. And both the movies. So here we go. Your minutes on Vaster Mind, <laughs> on Vanity Smurf, find the timer starts now. How do you pronounce Vanity Smurf in French? Vanity Smurf. Number two. <laughs> I'm trying to do it mastermind style. What was Vanity Smurf's occupation? Uh, asbestos remover. <laughs> Papa Smurf in that old house of his. Number yeah. three. Name two of his four hobbies. Looking into mirrors and smashing mirrors. Number four. Who voiced Vanity Smurf in both the recent Smurf movies? I'm going to go and say... Uh... I don't know. Pass. I can't think of a witty answer. What is Vanity Smurf's house full of? Asbestos. And finally, is Vanity Smurf a homosexual? It depends on who you ask. Paul Gannon. I you, did you badly. You scored half a point. Oh, okay. One half. On Vastermind, your knowledge of Vanity Smurf. We'll go through them, shall okay, we? Okay, please do. Number one. How do you pronounce Vanity Smurf in French? The answer is Strumpf Coquet. Right. Strumpf Coquet. He's running for president. Number two, what was Vanity Smurf's occupation? You said asbestos remover. Yeah, I did. The answer is beautician. Oh, so close. Name two of Vanity Smurf's hobbies. You said looking in the mirror. You get a point for that. Oh, good. He has four hobbies. Looking at himself in the morning, evening and night. They're three hobbies. And number four, keeping a fresh complexion. Oh, good. Number four, who voiced Vanity Smurf in the recent Smurfs movies? I'm going to play a video. I only had a few lines in the first one and it made hundreds of millions of dollars. I've got lots of lines in this one, which means I guess it's going to make about 17 billion. Who do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I was trying to think of the guy from Simpsons because he does all the voices all the time and it's not him. John Oliver. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there you go. Number five, what is Vanity Smurf's house full of? The answer uh, you said was asbestos. Yeah. Uh, incorrect. It's mirrors. And oh, for obviously... I guess. <laughs> it's almost like you dialed out at that point. It sounds like he's Scaramanga. And number six, is Vanity Smurf homosexual? No, we're not sure. He's too in love with himself to love anyone else. Oh, that's a very so good point. So on Vastermind, Paul Gannon, you scored half point. I'll take it. Let's do our big four words this week. Uh, I tell you, you go first. You hit me with yours. All right, okay. The first one I have got today is the phrase vague book. Is vague booking what you do <laughs> Well, <laughs> increasingly a lot now Yeah. when you write a nice, ambiguous status? That's pretty much and it. And then we all jump to your defence and go, no, Paul, don't, don't fall off the roof. We love you. Yeah, that's basically okay. it in a nutshell. <laughs> it's a verb. It's been coined reasonably recently thanks to the boom of things like Facebook. Well, Facebook because otherwise there's no point calling it anything else. Vague space wouldn't work. No, it really wouldn't. It's to post vague status updates to the Facebook social networking site in an attempt to court attention from friends and followers. And I'll be honest, I've caught myself doing it way too often recently. There's a website called makeuseof.com. A writer called Dave Parrick 
broke it all down and the kind of types of yeah. vague booking that are common. Uh, one, angry vague booking. This is a kind of expression of emotion in its most basic form. So you'll kind of write things like, oh, I'm so angry right now. Urgh. Or I'm so confused. Or I can't believe it. <laughs> It's and not then, butter. And there's that's it. No <laughs> other there's no other comment there. It's yeah. just oh and then your friends go, Oh, what set you off yeah. now? Oh, and no, then, please uh, please tell please me don't. I really care what your problem is. And then similar to that, I guess, is um why? So why me? Why God? Why? Dot dot dot. Mm. You know those kind of questions. That's it though. There's no sentence. Yeah. It is just question mark, question mark, question mark. And people go, What's going on? Do you know when you meet someone? Can you tell as soon as you meet someone and you think there's potentially a Facebook connection here, whether they're going to be the type of person that is likely to bombard your feed with vague book updates? Well, you know me, so yes. You like to rant. I have, and I have nothing my wrong with ranty that moments. That's you. That's a big part of your personality. Yeah. So if I'm going to be friends with you, I've got to accept that you like a rant. Yeah. Doesn't I... mean I have to take the bait. No, true. But I just have to go... Paul's having one. In fact, that's the sad thing. When you do vague book and no one replies, <laughs> that's worse. I did one the other day. I was like, it's been 10 years since I moved from one radio station to the other. I miss all you guys. We should all hang out more. And it got like four likes. Oh. And I was like, well, that's why I don't do it. <laughs> that's why you don't People do it. People don't expect that sentimentality from me. So when I try, they think I've been hacked. They're or like, it's Lols. insincere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, the guy who wrote this article basically said, you know, you can complain about this and have a problem with it, but you can't pigeonhole it to any particular kind of race or religion everyone has their chance to uh, vague book and a lot of the time a lot of people who do it can be lonely or depressed and that's their way of uh, reaching out and, and looking for some kind of human connection and so this is a relatively new phenomenon brought on by social media yeah it is before that how what did we do before if, fake booking yeah but we must have done that in a, like an analog world i just think it was like you come from a catholic family and you're passive aggressive i think yeah. that's basically what it came down post to post office yeah. yeah like you'd speak you'd hear your mother going Carol's in trouble again. Yeah. And that's all she'd say. Bitching over the back fence. Yeah, it's that's that what kind it of thing. Except, yeah. you know, like now again, it's a lot more passive aggressive. I all... actually found uh, a video on YouTube which kind of says that when you translate vague booking to real life social conversations, yeah. it does not translate. So, uh, should we play the little clip now? I'm the lucky girl today. I'm definitely going to be celebrating tonight. Oh, congratulations. What are we celebrating? Hey, more bad news. Please cross your fingers. There you go. Who did the video? That was by uh, Jason Horton. Uh, He's published a few videos like that in his past, and he's got a few more. It really highlights the vanity that we have now, because in the old days, you would not not walk into a room and go, oh, guys, I've got some news. You just (laughs) just just tell him. Yeah, and it's great that people get called out on that. But thank you for vague booking. I have a pretty dark one for you now, Paul Gannon. It is the origins of Vampire. A Turk, Greek, Hebrew or Hungarian word, the internet seems to be devouring itself to decide which one Mm. it is, popularised in the 1700s, the word first appeared in English in 1734. It was in a travelogue, not travel lodge, although the beds haven't been updated since, (laughs) uh, titled Travels of Three English Gentlemen that was published in the Harleian Miscellany. The first vampire book was written by who, would you say? This feels like a trap, but I'm going to say Bram Stoker. Is incorrect, Amanda. I thought as much, yeah. 80 years before, John Polidori... That's right. ...wrote the first... It was on the tip of your tongue. I actually did know this as well. The first popular vampire novel called The Vampire Spelt with a Y. Yeah. Uh, Harm a vampire, if you uh, will. Take it into your own hands. You can do it with garlic, but you can also do it with mustard seeds. 
Yes. I mean, this is why Mary Berry is still alive, because she has none (laughs) of these in her house. Mustard seeds, a wild rose, or a hawthorn plant? Mm. Can you get a hawthorn plant in garden centres? Actually, I don't know. Uh, We don't know. If you do know, please get in touch with us, because I have a vampire problem I'd Uh, like to fix. Yeah, iron bars or stakes through the heart or chest have been common ways to kill the undead for centuries. Although bodies, despite the vampire being a word we've used for like three or four hundred years, bodies like nearly a thousand years old with stakes through their heart... Have been uncovered uh, across parts of uh, Eastern Europe. Yeah, they. I think the, the idea behind that was it was some kind of they thought the body was cursed and they didn't want it to raise from the ground, yeah. so they'd stake it to the coffin yeah. to do so. Question. Yeah. A vampire is real. So that's interesting because uh, when Stoker wrote uh, the story of Dracula, it B. was Stoke. Yeah, B. Stokes. Uh, he did base it on uh, certain illnesses that were around at the time, aversion to sunlight, things like that, anemia, uh, people who needed blood, transfusions, and he kind of based all that and added it to the vampire myth. Is that a yes or a no? I don't know the answer anymore. The answer is yes. Oh. All you need to do is Google V-Herv. V-Herv. It's a retrovirus that changes your brain chemistry and digestive system that causes you to hunger for the blood of humans. Oh, wow. And can uh, make you a bit mad, like rabies, and cause mm. you to commit um, aggressive, violent acts so that you can drink the blood. Wow. Uh, the HVV source is the bat flea, and okay. the HVV carrier is the vampire bat. Oh, so it, is, it does so, all yeah, have a connection. It does all tie in together. Wow. Final question on vampires, then. Can you live off blood? If you were to switch your diet, I'm not saying would you want to, yeah. but could you survive on somebody else's blood? If we know that vampires are real, yeah. but could you live off blood? I'd like to say no, unless you have a big oh, thing about black pudding. One of these pudding. long answers, yeah. Uh, originally described as being bloated and dark-faced, it would make you, it would change your body completely. Sciencefocus.com says you need to drink around three litres of blood to sustain your calorie intake. Ugh. 700 calories per litre of blood. The trouble is, when you drink all of that, it makes you a little bit obese, because what you're not getting is vitamin C. Yeah. So you have to drink nine litres of blood a day to get enough vitamin C. Uh, that bloats you out. It, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So the way around that is to garnish your victims first. Uh, <laughs> true, put lemons on. Before you get to drink their blood, sprinkle a bit of lemon a little, on them. A little bit yeah. of herb. Any kind of uh, you know high citrus fruit. Uh, you need to drink 26 litres of blood to get the right amount of iron. This is ridiculous. I know. So but, the answer is no, basically, well, then, isn't it? It would be difficult, but I would say you would substitute that iron with Guinness. True. And then you kind of have low-salt diet elsewhere. <laughs> so basically, exercise. my diet would be nothing but black puddings and Guinness. Yeah. My uh, dad had that, I think. You are half vampire, actually, if you're doing that. So there you go, the etymology of vampire. Nice. So, um, my V... V is for Vendetta. Like the movie. Like the movie, like the uh, Alan Moore original novel that yeah. it's based on. The I'm glad you did Vendetta because I was toying with like victory, uh, verocity. Victory um, Vs. Well, first of all, there are two meanings of Vendetta. There's one that we all kind of know, right? The prolonged bitter quarrel or campaign against someone. But the original meaning of it was a blood feud in which a family person is murdered and part of that family seeks vengeance upon the murderer's family. So basically he takes it out on everyone. You could do a vendetta by drinking somebody's blood. You could do. Double I, blood feud. I think that would only be on a hiding to nothing, but it's worth a try. Um, I came up with some of the, well, some of the most popular 
vendettas in history. First of all, Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Bird. You ever hear about this? At ten. Have you heard of the musical Hamilton at the moment? It's a very, very popular musical, breaking all box office and critical records in America. It's a hip hop musical. People are loving it. My girlfriend's obsessed with the soundtrack to it. But it's based on the story of Alexander Hamilton. So him and Aaron Burr were two key figures in the early history of the United States. They had a function as founding fathers, but it's also overshadowed by their legendary rivalry, which ended in a deadly duel in 1804. The tensions began in 1791 when Burr, a Democratic Republican, was elected to New York Senate in place of Hamilton's friend, a Federalist. Hamilton took this defeat as a personal attack and developed a staunch dislike for Burr. So they had this hatred of each other and it all came to a head in 1804 when Hamilton actively sought Burr's campaign for governor of New York and helped to ensure a rival politician named Morgan Lewis won instead. But what got to this point was they had a duel a very famous duel. They had a fight. When was it? On July 11th, 1804. That's my birthday. Is it? Yeah. Oh. So they went to a place in uh, uh, New Jersey and they did the whole proper, you know, Yeah, thing. 10 paces. Uh, yeah. 10 paces. Now, allegedly, Hamilton didn't really want to go through with this. So when they both turned and fired, he shot into the air. As in, as if to say, if you shoot me, it's, uh, it's your bad. You, you wanted this, big man. Yeah. I'm happy to not shoot you. There are other people saying that that's not true and he just missed <laughs> and he just shot the branch above the a guy. A squirrel. Yeah. So Hamilton was hit in the stomach. He was taken to hospital but died the next day. And uh, long story short, his life became a very popular musical. You say long story short. All right. Have you got any vendettas going on at the moment? Any current ongoing? No, not me. I'm a, I'm a man of peace. I have one with my neighbour. Oh, yeah? But... um. I'm hoping he's just going to move. Or die? What a moaning git. I just hope he moves. No, not <laughs> die. No. no. I'm not, am I that type of person? No. Well, that's what a vendetta comes to. It or comes the, to bloody death. Or just putting your house up for sale, fingers crossed. My final word for you is voicemail. We've all got one. We do get it. Uh, I ignore mine. Do you want to hear mine? Yeah. Uh, here we go. Damien, I can't get to the phone right now. Please leave a message. Hi, Damien. It's only Paul calling. You owe me £10. Where are you? I've got your wife. This is me. I'm leaving myself a message on the voicemail machine. I'm from the future. You're listening to this in the present, which is actually my past. Ah! It's the inception of voicemail messages. Goodbye. Voicemail is a registered trademark introduced in 1980. Is it? Uh, but it goes back donkey's years. Donkeys. <laughs> uh, in 1877, Thomas Edison said of his invention, the phonograph, the object was to record telephone messages and transmit them again by telephone. Over 100 years later, it became a commercial viability, as in the 70s, Motorola invented first the Page Boy and then the Page Boy 2. I had a pager. Well, it was a weird thing. Who paged you? No one. That was the sad thing. Nine one one. You had to call up a woman yeah. who would say, "Hello, do you want to leave a message?" Then you'd say the message. She would type it and yeah. then send it to your pager. So that was kind of the first digital answer phone, which fueled the need for more digital data storage and kind of put us uh, roughly on the road to where we are now. It has led to many mistaken bits of information being left on strangers' phones. YouTube is littered with loads oh, is it? of accidental answer phone messages. I think this is the most famous voicemail message in the world. Uh, have you heard Crying Girlfriend? No, but I really want to. <laughs> Here you go. This is Crying Girlfriend. Hey, sorry, Mr. Call. Um, I was just calling you back to uh, let you know that I, I love you and I miss you. <sighs> I really, I really want you to call me back. <laughs> 
And I'm sorry, I missed your phone call, and that I I I know you're done. So so when you get this, can you call me back? I love you, and I miss you. If if Thomas Edison did not know how funny his invention would be, I will get people to leave messages for each other, and then one day, hilarious girlfriend crying voicemail message. All you got to do is put a funky beat on that, and it sounds like a Taylor Swift song. Oh, hang on. Girl Cries Like a Whale featuring Snoop Dogg. It's been done already. Oh, there you go. Here we go. Hey, sorry, Mr. Call. Um, I was just calling you back to uh, let you know that I, I love you, and I miss you. <sighs> That is the way of the world, isn't it? Isn't and it? all of that, that beauty, uh, we came to via Thomas Edison's invention back in 1877. So, hey, there you go, voicemail. Please leave a message after the tone. Boop. Time for the results of this week's word workout. 30 seconds, Paul Gannon, a beauty treatment, jazz veil. Your th- doesn't it sound like some sort of um, 80s female wrestler? Oh, jazz veil. From or the, from the Divas division. A really progressive place in the Cotswolds. Yeah, where nothing was planned. It was no. all freestyle built. 30 seconds to unscramble jazz veil starts now. Right, okay. I actually think I know this one. You've done quite well recently. If I've anyone's, had it done. Yeah. You've, it, I've actually had this one done. If anyone's listened to episodes T and U, Paul Gannon has been... On fire. Very good. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, right. 18 seconds for everyone playing at home. Jazz Veil. I don't think this is going to turn up on Countdown, this word, but I, I'm happy to use it. It totally could. If it turned up on Rachel Riley, Oof. no complaints. Oh. Here we go. Five seconds. Hurry up. All right, I got it. I got it. Got it. Jazz Veil, a beauty treatment, eight letters. What is it, please? It is the word Vajazzle. Is the correct answer. Oh, so happy. You win a packet of fake diamonds and some glue. <laughs> <laughs> a, a friend of mine, actually, a stand-up, she has this bit in her material about uh, how she wanted to do a vajazzle, but she couldn't afford to get the proper thing, so she just got, uh, you know, like, tinsel and sprinkles and things yeah. and tried to put it on herself. And then when she was being erotic to a guy, they were intimate, yeah. and he got up and his face was just covered in sparkles <laughs> and stars and all kinds of stuff. I love it. Yeah. Switch it up with some sweets, some hundreds and thousands, some aniseed balls. Fantasy balls would be handy. Dolly mixtures. Cola cubes. Uh, Vajazzle, an informal verb to adorn the pubic area in brackets of a woman with crystals, glitter or any other decoration. Church-going mums might call it body-blinging in that way that your mum tries to protect you from the real world. Uh, Most of the Asian film industry calls it a Bollywood wax. Other nicknames include a Vadazzle or a Vadazzler which sounds like some bloke from Essex. So there you go, 30 seconds, you unscrambled it. Hopefully Jazz Vale was a Vajazzle. Shabang. And that'll do it for this week's episode of The Fictionary. Episode V, Paul Gannon, I think has been Vavavoom. And I consider this episode voluptuous. And I would say it's been Vandelas, a word eradicated from history by Motown Music. What? Vandelas means a strong piece of canvas or coarse linen that was imported from France and the Netherlands during the 17th century, not the bloody Martha Reeves Motown <laughs> band, the Vandellas. <laughs> Right, but now nobody I get it. says Vandellas, one L, and it's linen. Nobody uses it anymore. No, why would they? Motown, you got a hell of a lot to answer for. Give us it back. 
Thanks for checking out this episode of The Thictionary. We'll be back next week, or in fact now, if you're listening in the future, with episode W. Come and hang out on Twitter, if you like, at Thick Podcast, and you can give us a review. Links to all your bits and pieces are at the uh, website, thictionary.com. Until next week, Paul Gannon, have a lovely week. You too, sir. Bye-bye.